welcome to an episode of the hindus podcast the pale recently ayurveda company patanjali ayurved claimed that it had developed a drug for covid-19 this drug or rather an ayurvedic concoction of several herbs was claimed to be a cure and was supposedly tested on several patients as part of a proper clinical trial however the claims were made at a press conference rather than it being evaluated by peer reviewed experts in the field and this led to controversies as well as disclaimers by india's ministry of ayush ayurvedic practitioners as well as scientists and uh, doctors themselves in that the claims were exaggerated and didn't really pass the muster of what a proper so called covid treatment or covid cure could do to discuss whether ayurveda and alternate systems of medicine ought to be judged by the same standards as drug pharmaceutical interventions we have with us eminent set of uh, guests we have dr sp kalantri mbbs in physician at the mahatma gandhi institute of medical sciences sevagram he has worked for many years in repurposing drugs as well as uh, on evidence based medicine we also have dr bhavna prasha a ayurveda doctor an md as well as a senior scientist at the csir institute of genomics and integrative biology where she works on the interface of ayurveda as well as genomics welcome to the show so let me uh, actually first begin with you uh, dr bhavna i mean we are we are uh, with covid pandemic you know uh, there are several drugs that are being tested you know from pharma companies etc and we are now in a sense familiar with what goes into testing uh, you know uh, you know a pharmaceutical drug preclinical studies phase 1 phase 2 phase 3 so could you just begin by explaining uh, what really is the process involved in testing an ayurvedic uh, drug yeah as far as testing of ayurvedic drugs uh, for uh, clinical use is concerned uh, there are two aspects to uh, ayurvedic drugs one is those ayurvedic drugs which are described in classical text uh, listed in the drug and cosmetic act of india and they have been described with certain ingredients and the formulation which are used for certain indications so uh, these these are called as classical medicines and they are in use for several uh, hundreds of years in the in our country as well as in many parts of the world so when you have to test the efficacy uh, or uh, of the of these classical medicines uh, for any uh, indication uh, there are there are set rules one is if it is for the classical formulation in the classical form for the indication which has also been prescribed in text then uh, you actually Uh, do not require too much of a uh, clinical preclinical or any of that data but if it is a classical formulation with a new kind of an indication as we are facing right now in that case uh, it requires a uh, but since it is in use otherwise not too much of an preclinical uh, toxicity etc are uh, required but the if some uh, literary or uh, clinical uh, sorry preclinical evidence or some logical evidence regarding its probable use in that condition is there then uh, one can actually straight away get into the clinical trial so that is a very clearly laid down guidelines by ccrs then comes the next is if it is a proprietary medicine newly designed formulation newly designed constituents 
with a new indication then all other things also follow the same path of toxicity preclinical efficacy and subsequent clinical trials so this is regarding the uh, laid down guidelines as regards covid since it was an extraordinary condition even the textual references when uh, on the basis of some similarity with the modern pathological hallmarks if there is a textual explanation which can draw a parallel and say that this might be useful for uh, uh, you know control of such condition the trials have initiated uh, as you can see there are a large number of trials going on but that is also on the basis of some logical textual uh, explanation to it so that is the situation and once the uh, clinical trials are undertaken the same phase 1 phase 2 phase 3 regarding safety efficacy extended efficacy and all subsequent things are similarly followed for any ayurvedic drug also according to the guidelines yeah so because you know when when you do a drug trial in a you know in a in a pharmaceutical drug when you go phase 1 and then you know to expand it to a bigger group phase 2 and then you know multi center phase 3 etc ultimately it is you know there is a huge element of statistics that decide you know uh, uh, whether you know this drug is actually significantly beneficial above let's say placebo levels etc or you know any other uh, you know confounding factors so do those same standards also apply to ayurveda i mean how does because ayurveda many times they say you know is uh, you know based on you know you have to see the drug holistically so is there really an attempt made to distinguish the effects of placebo or you know any other confounding factors and actually evaluate the drug potency per se so uh, as far as the so there are two aspects whether you test the drug in uh, the same way as the modern medicine so as far as the stringency of uh, safety efficacy uh, are concerned it's it's not going to be any different from modern medicine uh, about the drug design about the trial design one is effect of placebo i don't think in today's time uh, if we are finding out a completely new indication and uh, where there is absolutely no uh, uh, control medicine available uh, to compare with uh, placebo is otherwise doesn't make any sense uh, or even if it uh, is i think uh, one needs to compare with the maybe standard of care or addition uh, of this but uh, as far as the design is concerned i think what is most important is the Uh, what are the outcome measures that you decide so i i'll take a minute to explain about the ayurveda's uh, uh, drugs which are described and in the context of overall scheme of uh, uh, disease management okay so they are not like one drug and one disease and you you test it and it will solve for the entire population and for that individual entire life it is it is actually having some role in uh, elevation of that disease condition with some clinical endpoints and outcome measures should clearly take care of that uh, uh, that aspect as to what should be the uh, uh, clinical endpoint and what should be expected of that drug and accordingly it it gets evaluated and of course clinical parameters of the modern medicine which are required for you know um, objective assessment of the efficacy are always incorporated along with this and there is a very clear cut uh, flow chart or diagram given by the ccrs guidelines 
that it is not that the drug is there so you don't examine them on the modern medicine parameters they are actually looked at in all the clinical markers as well so uh, yeah that is all followed uh, even in the modern even in the ayurveda drug trials okay uh, dr karanthi i would like to come in over here so uh, you know as we have been seeing in terms of uh, uh, you know covid 19 also many uh, you know drugs are being repurposed by you know major pharmaceutical companies and many times you know the drug is they begin trials you know with a certain amount of hype saying that you know this drug could be a potential antiviral and we have seen it in in, in the uh, case of remdesivir also for instance uh, you know the endpoints somehow are you know changed midway and then irrespective of what the actual outcomes are you know the drug somehow gets some kind of psychological acceptance into the medicines medicinal system so don't you think that in some sense uh, you know the pharmaceutical drugs have it slightly more easier and you know alternative drugs and ayurvedic medicines have a higher standard of proof than uh, you know than other drugs or uh, you know how do you like view this um well i would i would respond by saying that science is a science is a science so i have great respect for ayurveda is a ancient science based on sacred texts and it has really stood the test of time and its basic philosophy gels well with the eastern approach of health and disease in sharp contrast to the western approach but my point is that when you introduce any drug or any intervention and try to figure out that is this drug safe or is effective then you need to follow certain rules and regulations after all we are interested in about the safety and effectiveness of a drug so simply by drawing your own experiential experiences in the past simply by quoting a literature for a disease uh, for which the drug might have worked in the past doesn't mean that this drug would be as safe and as effective for a new disease so ebola would be a great example we thought that certain drugs worked well in ebola and then we tried to extrapolate the results of those drugs to covid virus but they did not work so often what works in petri dishes might not work so far as the actual human being are concerned and therefore we need good trials so my point is that no matter what branch you are uh, practicing whether it is a modern medicine whether it's complementary and alternative medicine uh, comprising of ayurveda yunani siddha and homeopathy there are certain scientific which must be followed and these scientific principles are basically aimed at making sure that you are minimizing the bias as much as you can that you are making sure the difference between the two arms of your trial for example a new drug vis-a-vis your standard of care this difference is not accounted for by chance and third you also make sure make sure that when you are giving a drug and comparing it with an another drug well the participants in both groups are more or less equal to give an example if you recruit a very young fit people with absolutely normal blood pressure normal sugar good kidneys heart lungs liver brain in one group and your other group consists of unfortunately older and sicker individuals with a lot of comorbid illnesses and they are entering late in trial you are making this group dissimilar and and there is no level playing field there with the result that the drug is proved effective and safe 
uh, it will not have a scientific validity. And therefore, I say that nothing against Ayurveda here. As I said, I have a great respect for Ayurveda, but I strongly believe that when you are introducing a drug, it is our moral duty. In fact, it was, it's our ethical obligation to tell to the world that the newer drug definitely beneficial, it is definitely safe, it is definitely effective, and it would probably help in achieving those outcome measures that we are interested in. We are probably saving lives, we are probably sending fewer patients on mechanical ventilators, we are reducing the length of the hospital stay, uh, uh, and so on. Sure. Dr. Prashas, yeah, so exactly. So I was basically just coming to you on, you know, just building on these points. So, uh, you know, there's two things that I'd like you to answer. One is, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, when drug trials are conducted, you know, in the pharmaceutical world, normally what happens is, you know, the uh, reviews are, you know, peer reviewed and published in some journal. And, you know, we are able, I mean, independent experts and ultimately the larger world can read that and evaluate you know the benefits or you know non-efficacy of certain drugs in the case of ayurveda practically speaking i mean does that really happen i mean how often are you know even negative results or you know or lack of efficacy for instance how frequently are these actually reported in uh, uh, in the world of Ayurveda, could you just explain that for us first? And if you could, if you wanted to respond to any other point, right? So, uh, as far as uh, uh, Dr. Kalantri's uh, point of you know recruiting different kinds of individuals in different arms and by uh, and having a biased opinion about this worked and this did not work, I think that takes that is very clearly taken into uh, taken uh, into account while designing the inclusion and exclusion criteria. And uh, you minimize the heterogeneity in the group of individuals being tested. So you try to keep uh, uh, as much uh, homogeneous population to compare between two arms. So that I don't think that that kind of bias will ever be allowed by any of the ethics or regulatory uh, clearance related uh, things. And uh, also when we are saying about the claims, one actually identifies what stage level uh, disease we are going to enroll in a particular study and accordingly the outcome measures are also uh, supposed to be laid down in terms of both clinical as well as uh, measurable and objective ones and so uh, uh, one has to be very uh, we, uh, one writes down as to what stage of the disease you are going to enroll what kind of uh, population you are going to enroll so homogenizing as much as possible another point that actually uh, got highlighted uh, in the course of discussion was that this is what Ayurveda, this is where Ayurveda's all the more, uh, you know, personalized approach can actually be pitched in, in the sense that disease, as I said, the disease drugs are described in the overall scheme of disease management. So wherever that drug is being described, in that uh, aspect of it only, you enroll the patients and you have the outcome measures and endpoints accordingly designed. So I think uh, there cannot be such gross uh, problems of uh, having very young and uh, 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 old kind of people rooted in different arms and uh, you know comorbidity or no comorbidity that is particularly taken care of now coming back to your uh, question of publication uh, yes we see that a uh, uh, number of publications of uh, ayurvedic clinical trials are definitely less appearing in the uh, uh, journals uh, 
uh, of the same uh, peer uh, impact factor nevertheless uh, uh, as far as the negative reports are concerned i think uh, uh, very few negative reports we have in general uh, uh, practice of seeing even in publication if not just from ayurveda i mean many a times but uh, ayurveda has another body of uh, literature which does not just come from experience it is from the documentation uh, of the ayurvedic text as well as there are lots of universities and the uh, research councils who keep doing this cl clinical uh, trials uh, in their studies and they keep getting uh, published into their own uh, kind of you know either thesis report or as a journals of ayurveda which may not appear uh, so much in the pubmed or in the high impact factor journal lists so that again again the body of literature is keeping on getting developed but that is uh, that definitely needs lot of upgradation in terms of its uh, impact factor and the quality of research and the quality of reporting so certainly uh, but number of number of publications are certainly less we are uh, we are aware of that uh so then the uh, then the other thing is for example now in the in the case of covid management also we now it is now well understood that when disease reaches a certain level of um, you know of severity you will as dr kalanthri mentioned you know you will need mechanical ventilation or you know you know other external devices now ayurveda does not really talk about things like these i mean it is mostly you know drug and uh, you know uh, like you know based on concoctions so how do you integrate or how do you account for things like for instance pronation and you know pulse meters you know you know basically you know these kind of de technological devices how does how do you integrate that into can that be integrated into the ayurvedic framework they are absolutely integrated in the uh, ayurvedic framework yeah. i would uh, recommend you to visit any of the uh, uh, modern day ayurveda institutes where uh, uh, the the examination of the patient with respect to all these objective methods is very much adopted and especially more so in case of you know under trial medicines where the clinical trial protocol clearly describes the outcome measures both in terms of so now for example in covid i am telling you uh, the uh, mild moderate severity related parameters that are given by who or icmr they are very much incorporated and the monitoring is also happening on those parameters with respect to spo2 levels or respiratory rates or so the uh, there is no uh, allergy to uh, modern technological uh, devices to be in integrated in the uh, in the clinical protocols of ayurveda nevertheless ayurveda also retains the methodology of assessment of uh, uh, disease in ayurvedic style uh, which, which is not only on, about the disease but they also look at the baseline health parameters like uh, diet sleep digestion all those things because unless ayurveda philosophy is that if uh, these are the immediate indicators of whether things are working fine or not and uh, one has to address these aspects while doing the uh treatment not that you only run behind the uh, actual antiviral and uh, all other your digestion metabolism and all those things are completely deranged unless these are corrected uh, ayurvedic theory says that host response uh, un unless the host patho uh, metabolic and immune profile is not in uh, good shape whatever amount of medicine you may give from outside it may not actually be able to 
you know, recover. So this is the problem of, we are facing even in COVID using the modern management where inter-individual variability is bothering the modern physicists all the more. Why some people are suddenly getting into a worse situation and why some of them are coming out without even getting any symptoms. So, and Ayurveda uh, describes uh, uh, the basis to it in, in terms of one's individual baseline uh, metabolic as well as, uh, you know, the immune status. So, those things uh, we cannot lose out on because modern medicine right now has not incorporated that into the protocol. We generally incorporate those also as well as along with the uh, all the biomarker and uh, technological uh, devices that can actually monitor the uh, so, Dr. Kalantri, at this point, I mean, do you agree with uh, this assertion in the sense as this as how uh, Dr. Prashad is basically saying that, you know, in conventional Ayurvedic practices and alternative medicine practices, they, they claim to be, you know, integrating, uh, you know, a lot of advances that are there in modern medicine also in terms of technological devices. But do you see enough in terms of actual practice of modern medicine actually you know incorporating this whole holistic framework i mean even covid you know it was first just seen as a it is as a viral disease but now increasingly we are looking at it as you know how does it actually affect the overall immune system and why certain drugs don't work so do you think modern medicine too is i mean is it completely close to itself and not accepting to you know alternate views or is it that you know, these things are already known and it is just a matter of, uh, you know, adoption. What do you see as a practitioner, so to say? Uh, so I'm acutely reminded of a quote from uh, David Sackett, who was uh, the father of evidence-based medicine. Yeah. And way back in 1996, in a BMG, the British Medical Journal, he wrote, and I quote, and he was speaking to a bunch of medical students in one of the medical schools in the England. And he said, he told them that half the medicine that you are learning today would get dead after 10 years or would get completely obsolete. The trouble is we don't know which half. The point that he was trying to make is that the medicine is so fast evolving, the diseases are so dynamic, the world is so fast changing that whatever we learn today, what we are implementing today would be proved completely wrong because of these factors. And that is the reason as to why we need good science yeah. So, so, so how do you, I mean, but is there really a, a way in which these two uh, medicines can be kind of integrated or are they two different schools that, you know, uh, cannot really exist under one roof, but only need parallel, but are parallel paths? I mean, how do you see it? I guess the integrative approach would be a win-win situation for both disciplines because traditionally, if you look at Ayurveda and modern medicine, so modern modern medicine tend to use more of a left side of the brain. So it is more rational, more analytical, more structured one, more based on certain facts, more based on experimental evidence. But Ayurveda uses the right side of the brain where it's more holistic, where it is more intuitive, where uh, uh, it takes it takes into consideration the person as a whole. So while the modern medicine is obsessed with a cell or an organ or a disease, isn't it, which is a part of a body, the Ayurveda 
consider the person as a whole and believes that whole is more important than some of the parts that it is composed of. I completely agree with this approach. So right now what we need is that, well, let us not look at Ayurveda and modern medicine as two completely different poles, but the time has come that we need to integrate them. But while we are integrating them, it is also important that we should not be forgetting the principles of science and ethics there. So let me uh, draw, let me cite an example that right now, uh, one of the Ayurvedic drug trial is creating a lot of buzz all over the country. And if you look at this trial, this trial was conducted, the way the experiment was designed, the, 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 and, uh, the, the way the results were uh, shared with the press and, uh, and on social media without the trial getting published, it cuts a very sorry figure. So when I talk to my patients, uh, uh, when I practice medicine and talk to my patients, uh, I ask them, what matters to you more? Why are you so fearful? Why are you so frozen? Why are you pressing panic buttons? And the unvoiced and often voiced concern is that I might die. So the most meaningful outcome we are looking at from a drug is that, well, the drug would be able to save lives or it won't. Whether it would be able to save the patients from getting into ICU or it won't. Whether the patients would be ventilated or not. Unfortunately, well, that I have just cited this Ayurvedic drug trial, what they are looking at is surrogate endpoints. For example, they said the virus would disappear two days faster or you would feel better or your temperature might drop down a day earlier or there would be a general well-being. My point is who cares if my virus takes two more days to disappear from my body or if I remain febrile for a day longer or I cough a day longer. Uh, these are not the endpoints that I am interested in. The endpoints should be clinically meaningful and these endpoints are life and death there. And so that is the strength of a modern medicine that it looks very strongly at those endpoints which matter to a public and an individual patient and tries to uh, introduce drugs which are both safe as well as effective. For example, if you look at some of the very large trials conducted in the last two months, the solidarity trial, the recovery trial, both these trials not only produce some positive results, but also get a humility and transparency to say that, well, Hydroxychloroquine does not work. Remdesivir does not reduce the mortality. The dual combination of antiviral drugs does not work. So modern medicine is, is today is studied with examples where the modern medicine accepts that many of the interventions which we thought should have worked, they are not working. And in science, these negative trials are as important as, as the positive ones because the physicians need to note what works and what does not work. With the result that today when I'm in my ICU, I have taken off hydroxychloroquine, I have taken off antiviral drugs, I have taken off, I have given a backseat to remdesivir and have pushed dexamethasone, a drug which has been shown to work in both solidarity as recovery trial. And this is how the science ad advances. So the point is that to make the best use of science, we should also make sure that our science also blends and fulfills the wishes uh, which are often unvoiced on the part of uh, uh, policymakers, physicians, patients, study participants, etc., and and uh, really helps in achieving uh, those objectives. Yeah, Dr. Prashar, see at this point, you know, I mean, uh, you know, when we talk about the, you know, the the Patanjali trials, I mean, don't you think or that there was more harm done, you know, in you know, in the manner in which 
you know certain claims were made and uh, uh, you know uh, you know the you know the kind of the you know some endpoints etc were were glamorized and publicized for the lack of a better word and don't you think this actually undermines the uh, you know cause of, i mean you know the practice of uh, ayurveda per se yeah so jacob i just would like to uh, uh, tell a couple of things over here uh, as regards this particular trial where that we are talking uh, maybe they actually uh, they must have gone disproportionate with respect to what they tried and what they are telling uh, uh, i uh, i can agree on that only uh, the difference that i uh, have of the opinion with uh, dr kalantri is that Uh, uh you know rather than giving the uh, outcome measures in terms of viral load clearance or fever and all we one should look at the how many lives it saved and how many ventilators it saved and how many icu admissions it uh, saved but unfortunately right now in the in the present scenario of medicine practice in our country i do not know if any of the ayurvedic medicines have ever got any entry into the uh, clinical stage management like that of uh, saving uh, icu or went nobody no other medical doctors are actually uh, you know they're getting this kind of a medicine integrated so there is no scope or there is no opportunity for testing any of this so how can so they will only be able to claim as per the trials that they have conducted if they have conducted it on the mild and moderate cases or in the asymptomatic cases where only viral positive was the result they can only claim that it became negative after the treatment they were never allowed i mean there is no single trial i am able to see where they are giving it along with the severe cases or those who are in icu to be able to say that icu admission was curtailed you understand so that's a question of opportunity and the question of and for that i understand a confidence has to be built with the modern uh, uh medical world as well as with the society that these things can be tested in those conditions as well and uh in that case uh, yeah so so that requires a different kind of a uh, trust building or a confidence building uh, exercise which i think with this kind of plenty of clinical trials in the mild and moderate cases where the outcomes would be better if they are coming out to be a better outcomes then they it might build up for the next kind of a severe stage related uh, trials to be undertaken and uh, as regards uh, science and ethics there is no uh, yeah so i think uh, experience is not the only basis of ayurveda ayurveda has got uh, once uh, when i'm saying that it is taking the holistic uh, the uh, this one it, uh, the holistic thing does not come without it being a scientific thing Uh, it, it is even more scientific that it is taking care of several parameters and several variables at one go uh, so without that uh, scientific evidence and without the scientific temperament uh, incorporation of multi dimensional parameters would not have ever happened it's just that we have not deciphered its uh, uh, basis and methodologies uh, that they undertook we have not been able to recapitulate them so i think it's it's growing up the confidence building work is going growing up and eventually we will be able to see a day where we are you know uh, giving the medicines in such severe uh, scenarios as well to be able to say with surety that even it takes care of those senior severe conditions i guess i guess we need to compare these two trials uh, two trials one is a patanjali trial from ayurveda and another is a remdesivir trial which was conducted by anthony fauci and his colleagues Now look at Patanjali trial. Yeah. I mean, 
the claims are highly exaggerated they are misleading they are inconclusive isn't it uh, it's almost 10 days and the trial conducted only on 90 patients the the trial results are still not on this still we are still trying to analyze those results thank you and compare this highly exaggerated misleading very hyped and inconclusive data from uh, in fact there are no data there are only press releases tall claims there there is no data and and please remember there are only 90 patients so it just doesn't take more than an hour to analyze a data from 90 patients today our statistical softwares are so powerful that it is only a matter of minutes you can analyze but the data is still not in public domain and i guess it is absolutely unethical not to share your study data in a public domain because it means that the people who are randomized in your trials were probably uh, used not as human beings but they were used as guinea pigs now compare this trial with the trial conducted by anthony fauci and his colleagues on remdesivir isn't it and the way he he also went to the media he also announced this trial to the entire world and the the very calculated words that he used and he said that the trial is positive because it reduces the time to recovery from 15 days to 11 days but the trial is negative because we have not been able to impact mortality so there are no death benefits and he also uh, sounds a note of caution that the results of this trial now need to be applied to the extent real world with with a lot of uh, care isn't it now look at the words that fauci used isn't it uh, he was a picture of a humility he was a picture of uh, almost underplaying the trial results and an extremely tall claims made by uh, patanjali people isn't it and unfortunately unfortunately outside press there is no criticism of patanjali trials from people who are practitioners of ayurveda there is no criticism of uh, trial from from the government agency so i i want to beg to differ here because the ministry of ayush also outrightly came out to say that this is not the right way and now nobody is praising uh, patanjali for doing what they did what happened yesterday what happened what happened yesterday yesterday this trial was approved and says that it could be used in management what does the word management mean there is no such word management in modern science okay. so which means that yesterday the ministry has given a blanket assurance and a blanket approval to patanjali that this drug could be used so i mean you can't call it a cure but it's okay to call it a, i don't know any like a immunity boost booster or something like that yeah i i completely agree with uh, this point that patanjali has not at all done any uh, uh, you know this, this is not the way to do uh, i i do not consider this as uh, you know i am uh, kind of endorsing it it's just that he uh, uh, i'm not saying that this has not been criticized I and mean, nobody has liked the way it has uh, been uh, announced and yeah no in fact you know uh, just to, just to come in uh, dr kalanthi dr kalanthi the city Dr. Prasha, the you know the essential point is this, you know, is as Dr. Kalanthi is pointing out, is that in the field of uh, Ayurveda, I mean, just as he gave the example of Anthony Fauci, who is the you know the the equivalent of the ICMR head in the US, uh, and in the field of Ayurveda, is it not possible to have one or two uh, you know eminent uh, you know uh, you know spokespersons, you know, who are highly well regarded in the field? but who also can be trusted upon to say what exactly an ayurveda drug can do or cannot do or what it benefit benefits are or what it can because normally 
let's let's even if you go out of this patanjali business in general when we speak about when we hear about the government talking about ayurveda it is always in a very positive uh, positive as in it only it only makes claims which are uh, always you know uh, uncontested and unchallenged what about this uh, uh, somebody from the field you know who is able to cut an act an absolute balance i mean do you think that is lacking in the field per se so uh, proportion wise definitely it is uh, quietly uh, quite uh, minuscule proportion you will find nevertheless uh, this is what our endeavor a- is in uh, our uh, ayurgenomic uh, thing that uh, we are co- absolutely objectively trying to get things into you know uh, uh, into the public for this one that it, it has to be clearly stated in fact ayurveda's uh, uh, original thoughts and uh, documentations are so stringent that the guidelines for describing any drug dosage it includes not only starting from what drug what what standard standardization how it is to be tested for efficacy in what dosage in how much amount and in how many days it will alleviate how many uh, what, what level of pathology and going further in what kind of an individual so that's the kind of highest standard documented in ayurveda we need to have that revived and uh, uh, people uh, have to and be very very objective and precise in telling as i am repeatedly telling this that ayurveda's clinical management of any disease has got a uh, treatment strategy documented and for each of the strategic steps it describes different kinds of formulations and they have to be given for a particular time point and for a particular indication till you achieve that end point of the and then you switch on to the next level of treatment next level of treatment so that's the actually an ideal uh, thing that has been documented in ayurveda and we are working towards building that up further okay now in the sense we are we are kind of running out of time uh, dr grant so i'm just going to put a last kind of question and this is something which i wanted to take the debate forward i mean but also is going to be our last question which i'll post to both of you i mean what has really come out is that you know there is both systems of medicines have their own practice so to say among your clinicians among the scientists etc but however ultimately what is happening is both of them make concoctions or drugs which ultimately comes into this commercial business of marketing and you know uh, having to sell certain products and drugs now is marketing really the you know the main issue over here because patanjali etc at the end of it is a company and it wants to promote its things it's uh, you know as any other product like you know like it's soap products etc but we have also dr kalantri seen there is a history of even among pharma companies you know uh, when they want to make a drug and it has to be sold it is ultimately branded as a product its negatives suppressed positives highly exaggerated so do you think that it is actually marketing that plays a very critical role in kind of indirectly kind of undermining the benefits of both scientists science, science, science. i'll start with dr kalantri first to respond and then uh, dr prasha dr kalantri i completely agree with you jacob that uh, today in this pandemic uh, the art and science of medicine has been replaced by cross commerce so uh, let me just give an example of uh, uh, a drug called favipiravir which was marketed by another pharma company and this pharma company is now making tons of profit from this uh, drug 
Now tell me a drug which costs about 13,000 rupees for a 14-day therapy. And all that it does is that it simply takes care of your fever and cough. Who in this country is going to afford, afford this drug? So it is high time that we also look at a strong nexus between the pharma industry and the medical profession. We try to delink that nexus as much as we can. And we make sure that whatever experiments, whatever innovations, whatever attempts we are doing, they're ultimately aimed at improving the science. And by improving the science, we are trying to make the lives of our patients more easier. Cool. Dr. Prashad, I mean, what do you have to say about this marketing pharma drug marketing and Ayurveda, does it impact the science of Ayurveda also? Uh, I think uh, uh, he, uh, Dr. Kalantri, I agree with, uh, is, is a sense that uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, giving it to the larger population over the counter, lot of things, you know, uh, those nitty gritties of uh, administration in a clinical setting, they actually get perhaps compromised. And most importantly, uh, the, um, uh, you know, the one drug wants to, uh, the, people have become desperate to have a panacea of one drug for that condition. I mean, that, uh, that sometimes uh, desperation uh, actually uh, uh, kills the whole, uh, you know, the dimensions of uh, treatment or management. So that is, uh, that is right. And that, that's what sometimes, you know, creates lots of uh, problems. And uh, uh, making it uh, over the counter where people can take on their own, there is no check. Uh, sometimes it might actually not help. Uh, in fact, uh, cause more harm than help. And it loses the essence of uh, the multidimensional approach uh, and the you know the scientific approach. In fact, in closing, I just want to ask you, uh, like for example, as you say, Ayurveda, Ayurveda is such a personalized system of medicine so by definition can it actually can one thing one drug which is so customized to individual needs actually then be branded and sold in a general population but because in pharma at least the thing is you know uh, anything that is made any chemical ingredient that is made is ultimately given to anybody and everybody who displays a certain set of symptoms and you know who is uh, known to uh, not have any side effects known side effects from it but Ayurveda by definition is personalized. So can you really make a generalized drug in Ayurveda or concoction for something like COVID, etc.? Is it even conceptually yeah, so, possible? Uh, as, far as, so as far as the personalized thing is uh, concerned, so personalized is uh, 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 on the basis of what disease sub, uh, uh, type or what stage or what is the clinical presentation. So for a given clinical presentation, if certain drug, drug has been useful and tested, and uh, then that can be useful for uh, population at a large. So there is nothing like if for that indication, if it is working, then again it has uh, it cannot be given to everyone. So for a but that clinical indication has to be very clear that this is the stage or this is the clinical indication for which. So there is uh, there is something called vyadi uh, pratyani. So for a given disease, there is something. For a particular condition, there is something. So that that can very well be given. But as far as differential responsiveness is concerned, in one drug uh, in modern medicine also it can be given to everyone. I think that notion is getting challenged every day now. So that is not the case with even modern medicine and. People are trying to get into uh, finding out the uh, risk, uh, at-risk population or finding out the real target population for whom that will be useful. 
so these details we will anyways have to be we cannot do away without getting into and that will eventually uh, be have to be taken into consideration but ayurveda also has uh, you know disease specific or condition specific drugs which can be given to population at a large i would just conclude by saying jacob that i agree that there are desperate times there are testing and trying times but even during desperate times we should not abandon science and we should not abandon logical thinking here in fact this is a time where we need science more and not less and for everything that we do today uh, when the covid uh, pandemic is on it must be guided and dictated by pure science that's a good point so uh, now we are completely out of time but uh, thanks a lot dr prashar and uh, dr kalanthri for taking time out from your schedules it was very educative and enlightening speaking to both of you thanks a lot okay thank you thank you so much okay thank you jacob